0: Hello and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. As always, I am Mason, and I am elated to bring you our episode on Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, closing out our trilogy on the original Metal Gear Solid games. Today, as always, we are going to spoil this game from beginning to end, and we are going to discuss a lot of sensitive topics that include, but are not limited to, nuclear war, sexual assault, and misogyny. So, please use your best judgment before proceeding. And please enjoy. Hey, welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. I'm Mason. I'm joined by my handsome co hosts, Buck. Crab Battle. And my average looking co host, Sam. Shishago on my hod. <laughs> To live Volgan. <laughs> ridiculous. Today, we are finishing the Metal Gear Solid trilogy with Metal Gear Solid 3, released in 2004 by Konami, written, produced, and directed by Hideo Kojima, a man who needs no entrance. The game aims to finish the question that Kojima posed with the first two entries, What Makes a Man?, Whereas Metal Gear Solid 1 posited that it is his genes, and 2, memes, how information spreads through his society, 3 posits that what makes a man is the scene, which is to say the political backdrop into which one is born. The player controls Big Boss... Uh, An antagonist and crucial character in many other Metal Gear entries in a spy mission taking place during the Cold War, a fictionalized rendition of it, that is. The game draws very heavily upon films, much more than any other previous Metal Gear game, such as James Bond and Rambo, and incorporates more modern game design decisions from series such as Resident Evil and Castlevania. Fellas, this is a doozy of a game. So I want to get to talking about the themes of Metal Gear Solid 3 because they all draw back to the central sort of question that Kojima is asking that how does the political backdrop, how does the world, the state of the world and the world stage affect someone? The way he specifically frames it is through its effect on soldiers. A lot of the game revolves around the aftermath of World War II. When and into the Cold War when America and Russia went from being close allies united against fascism to bitter enemies in the fight between capitalism and communism that persisted all the way through the 1980s. Many characters in the game fought on the same side of World War II and were then split up into opposing factions, friends turned enemies, And a lot of the game revolves around what a country asks of a soldier in a time of war and in a time of conflict, in a time of Cold War, and the horrible things that a soldier, a warrior for their country, a patriot, must endure in order to fulfill their mission, right, their duty as a soldier. First, I'd like to talk about Big Boss because, as the player character and someone who was expanded on very heavily in the first two Metal Gear games, I want to talk about what you thought of his depiction here and whether it lived up to what you were thinking about when you played Metal Gear 1 and 2.
1: I think the most staunch difference to me is like it doesn't, the way the Big Boss is depicted here, it doesn't make any sense to me. It almost feels like propaganda the way he's depicted in the later games. Yeah. Because Outer Heaven is always depicted and described as this like horrific militaristic, you know, fascist state where only the strong survive and all soldiers are in control. It's like, you know, survival of the fittest, essentially. But I don't really understand how that would ever be the conclusion that Big Boss comes to after the events of this game? You Do you want to push back on that? I don't know
2: about that, mainly due to the fact that he has to kill Big Boss. Or not Big Boss. He has to kill the boss. The boss. Right? Yeah. I think that... I think throughout this game... I think maybe what's supposed to be happening and I don't I don't know because I don't feel like Big Boss or Naked Snake, which he technically is throughout the game. He Mm. isn't called Big Boss until like the end of the game. Yeah. I think we don't get a good enough look into Big Boss's psyche throughout this game to really see like how what's happening around him is changing him, right? I I just I just don't think that happens, and I kind of see what you mean, but I think it's supposed to be the trauma of him having to work through everything that he experiences fighting the Cobras and then finally killing Big Boss to where he ends up, which, because, I mean, the other thing is, right, we haven't played the other games, but the other games kind of portray Big Boss as a more heroic figure for a while, as far as I'm aware. Like, specifically Peace Walker and... Isn't it?
1: Isn't five? He still plays big play boss.
0: big boss in five. Well, yeah.
1: I don't know. It's to me. It's just I can't picture. And you're right. I don't think big boss really has as strong of characterization in this game, or like Snake has strong characterization in this game as Snake does in Metal Gear Solid One, or as Raiden does in Metal Gear Solid Two. The the focus of this game is really supposed to be on the boss. I I feel like this is more about the supporting. This game's more about the supporting cast than the main character, which yeah. is a departure from the last two games, which inevitably I think is part of the reason it feels weaker as a title, as a story. Right. So, but more the moral to I don't want to say the moral the way the the boss kind of like passes down her wisdom to big boss to me i it, i just can't picture in my mind where the takeaway is developing out a futuristic militaristic state yeah. now i i think he absolutely would have worked towards establishing a nation in the mind of creating that sort of like one world order kind of deal. I just feel like given the way it plays out that the details get embellished by the governments of these bigger countries because they want to give you more reason to believe that big boss is an antagonistic force.
0: So I want to touch on something that you spoke to a minute ago, which is that the depictions of outer heaven in the earlier games in the series feel propagandized And you are partially right about this. And I want to speak to this to sort of build on what you're saying about how it doesn't feel like this big boss is the same one you hear about later. This game is about, uh, in some ways, patriotism and big boss's illusion or disillusionment of being a patriot and pledging yourself to a country. The ways that the characters act in this game isn't supposed to be as, in in my view, isn't supposed to be as realistic at, and human-like as it is supposed to be an expression of someone that is ideologically driven and ideologically very strong. And the ideology of the boss in the game is patriotism. It is devotion to the land that you are from above anything else as a soldier, right? And the uh, naked snake, big boss, sees the things that the U.S. has done to her, despite her devotion, her giving herself to do these huge legendary things and sees the United States erase her as and asks her to partake in that. And he gets sort of uh, disillusioned with the entire idea of pledging herself to a country, at least one that's not made up of soldiers, which is what leads him to sort of go and create outer heaven which is a place that is for soldiers right he and you know the depiction in later titles is not this like horrific survival of the fittest place there's like a lot of camaraderie and brotherhood it's not it's not at all as the american government surprise surprise would would try and portray it Speaking of characters who are ideologically driven, expressions of ideologies, I'd like to speak on the, our other our casts of supporting characters, namely Eva and Ocelot, as well as Volgen and then we'll get into the Cobras maybe after that because they're slightly like less so. What are y'all thoughts on Eva Ocelot? Let's pair them up first because they're they're kind I mean, of mirrors of each other in the story.
2: So, I think Ocelot is interesting here primarily because almost every single time you see him, he is almost comic relief in this game. Yeah. Right. And. That is all, like, fully on purpose. Do we need to, like, give people a storyline for this, or can I just... That is all fully on purpose because Ocelot is still doing, like, his quadruple agent shit that he does in...
0: Every game. Every
2: game. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, Kojima really dialed it up to 10 in this one because in the normal... You know, Ocelot still makes his end-of-game phone call, but then... He does even another one <laughs> beyond that, and he's double crossing those people. And yet, you're like, where does it end? But it always ends like in the same place. Ocelot is a man who is loyal to the Patriots, right? And it's like, well, wow, why did we, why would I even think this is, this was going to, you know, the chips were going to land any other way? So, I
1: have, I have an important clarifying question because this is yeah. something I, I thought about. Okay. So, the philosophers. Become the Patriots.
0: The the United States and Russian philosophers, philosophers specifically. But
1: that branch of the Patriots is like the ghost false branch that Boss was talking about. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So the real philosophers just don't exist anymore.
0: Uh, there's it's one a, remaining or less. school of the philosophers in China. Yeah. And they kind of in later series they don't come up anymore because they weren't successful in retrieving the legacy. Okay,
1: that's what I thought, but I needed to like make sure because they use the same name.
0: Yeah. And it's not confusing at all. It's it So I think the philosophers and then the patriots are based on the Freemasons and the Illuminati whereas in the you know 1500s or whatever the Illuminati were a branch of the Freemasons that broke off and became this sort of like political group that is now like you know we know from conspiracy theories, but right they were like a real thing. And I think it's supposed. I think the philosophers and then the Patriots are supposed to simply be just a retelling of that kind of historical thing. You know what I mean? Well,
1: I th- I thought I-, I really liked how Ocelot was done in this game. I think it was nice to kind of let him be a little green yeah and yeah. let him play a little green i think that's the biggest problem i have is i him being adam him being the person that snake was supposed to meet with at that rendezvous at the very beginning of the game has i don't i just finished the game last night it's been like less than 24 hours that Detail is not really clicked with me, yeah. Because I don't. Given how Ocelot behaved in that situation, I don't understand how he was supposed to be the contact for Snake. Now his, I will say that that being the case does make it make some of his actions throughout the rest of the game make more sense in hindsight. Uh, you know, instead of this like coy. Revenge relationship, which I think still makes sense to me. It's meant to be like this.
0: It's like a father son s- type thing. I was going to say, it's like the a
1: silent hand. Oh, yeah. You know? But I kind of like, I don't know. There was a part of me that kind of liked the concept of Ocelot is so fueled by revenge by this man who humiliated him that he's willing to go to like traitorous lengths to be able to be the one to get his, you know, his what he feels he is owed.
0: It it really plays into the, what I was talking about earlier, how they don't act realistically. They don't act in their own best interest. They act with ideological strength and, and the ideology of Ocelot seems for the most part of the game to be this survival of the fittest, fittest proving oneself as a soldier, as a warrior. And then, you know, obviously it's recontextualized very heavily at the end of the game and then all of his actions take a different you you see them in a different light but they're still it's still like the designs of his thinking the the designs of his politics as far as eva's concerned
1: tits out for her.
2: oh
0: my god <laughs> i want to talk about eva cuz i have a lot to say about eva i just
1: good uh, you you start you start us off yeah.
0: okay so We've talked in the past about how Kojima does not do the best when writing women. He frequently will use motherhood as a synonym for womanhood. He will frequently motivate women characters by, you know, making their, you know, kidnapping their children or making their love interest be in danger. And that's like, kind of all the kind of all they were in the first two games the exception being Meryl but even Meryl was just motivated by that like you know life was really hard for her because she was a woman you never saw like a woman character in a metal gear game that was empowered and that was an agent with sort of autonomy on the way that the men are and Eva for the most part of the game you feel that it's going to be the same thing right she is not ideologically driven she's motivated heavily by her love of snake because it seems like they fall in love she uses a lot of her sexual charm to take advantage of men she is portrayed as very weak and frail because she's constantly getting the shit kicked out of her and then in the end in classic kojima fashion because he always sort of does these recast their actions in a different light, like right at the end of the game. You learn that no, she, her motivations don't come from any of this type of thing that, uh, you know, you frequently see the women do. She's not motivated by her love of snake. She doesn't love him at all. She's not motivated by motherhood in the way that the boss is. She has her own ideology. She is ideologically driven and, is impactful to me because it allows us to sort of step into the eyes and the mind of big boss. It allows us to relate because we believe it just as much because we judge her actions through this framework that we're always thinking of with these women characters. Right. And then it turns out that not only did she trick big boss, but also us as the player Right. She takes a lot of control and she takes a lot of autonomy in that, in in her ending of her character. And I think it's Kojima's best written female character to date. Uh, And it's, it also helps that like she's the, you know, the spy sex pot. She's, uh, she's the seducer. It's like, well, uh, you know, Kojima's not just going to write that and let it be at face value, which I think would be like a lazy character, a, you know, a lazy, tropey character. And he's like, well, no, we're not going to do that. At the end, we're going to reveal that it was all a ruse and that she was, like, in, in so much control. And it ends up that, you know, Ocelot gets one over on her, but, you know, she's not perfect. She has flaws and makes mistakes just like any other character. I want to push back on something you said, Mason. Sure.
1: I think she does love Snake. She does love Snake, but, she, she, put, kill it. but she
0: puts her mission above... Love. oh sure yeah, yeah. i mean I'm, I'm sorry i misspoke it's just that that's not her the what i'm getting at is that's not her motivating factor right she says as much she says like i'm not letting you live and telling you the truth because of my love yeah exactly i mean yeah you're probably right she does fall in love with snake but and like i don't so we condemn a lot of over sexualized or like over horny depictions of women on this podcast for good reason but like i think in this, you know, given the influences that this game draws from, I think having her have a romantic subplot is not like some grave writing sin. I think it's handled perfectly I'm not well. Saying
1: it is. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, if we're trying to like fit Eva into this concept that she's like this really good far departure from the typical Kojima writing, I'm, I, there's part of me that feels like it's not. It's like not, to me, it's not enough. I sure. felt like, I there were parts of me that felt like Eva, even with her, you know, the p- twist ending, still felt... Because she's still, she's not even really doing this of her own autonomy, right? She's doing this because she has been given a mission. I really, wi- I really wish... That's kind of why I like Big Boss more as a female, or the boss more as a female character in this game, is because, yes, there are aspects of her character that are still driven by motherhood, but she has so much other depth going on, and I hate her twists at the end so much. I really, I really wish it was something else, but I do feel like she is a much more dynamic character well-rounded character than Eva is and a better depiction of a strong female character in spite of the fact that she still has that aspects of motherhood written into her character.
2: I think both Eva and the boss are written better than any female in any other
1: game. Oh, I agree. It, well, it, I don't it, know about it, any other it, game, but... Well,
2: sorry, in any other Metal Gear game. I would, agree, I yeah, yeah. I would agree with uh, that. It, and... But, like, I feel like that's a low bar. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, Kojima's not done the best. In don't get no. me wrong.
1: I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, like, completely discount Eva as a character. I think there are aspects of it that I like. Uh, it's just I feel like more could have been done if we were really trying to, like, push in this, like, subversive you know, 180 direction that it felt like the game was reaching for.
2: So, like, my big thing about the seducing thing, right? Like, if what Kojima was going for is Eva is James Bond, right? Yeah. I don't feel like she had the lines to be James Bond and relied much more on her looks and, like, the fact that every man around her is just a misogynistic piece of shit more than like her abilities to seduce. Right. Like that's my thing is like, Oh, she's so good at seducing when, you know, it cause her tits are out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, or she is like actually naked. It's never like she is this object of, desire in other ways than literally look her boobs are not covered in a shirt right like (laughs) i wish i wish we could have seen a little bit more of not that
0: no okay i want to i want to interrogate this a little bit i think that there's very clear effort on her to seduce big boss In two specific scenes. The first one being at the initial meetup at the at the uh was it the Granin Lab? Their first meeting.
2: Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I I did forget about that.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean it's very early in the game. The second being the waterfall scene, there's a lot of romantic tension between Snake and Eva in that scene.
2: Oh, 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 oh,
1: oh, oh. Now she is almost naked in that Yeah, scene. she's naked.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm not like pushing back on that. She's she's very scantily clad throughout most of the game except when she is acting as as Tetiana. I
1: I I really the amount of like sexual violence in this game, <laughs> yeah. it's uncomfortable. It's so extreme.
0: It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
1: And I like and you know, unnecessary. Yeah, a lot of it I just like, Volgan's depiction as a sadist and the implications that come with that are... I was just, like, very surprised, I guess. Yeah. I don't...
0: Because, like... This is part of why I personally think that 2 is a better story than 3. Because it feels like it's a good time to transition to Volgan. I think a lot of the ways Kojima characterized Vulgan as evil, he he kind it's of comedic. Yeah, he leans too heavily on these movie tropes. He doesn't do a lot you know, he's doing a lot of things that your brain kind of rounds it to being evil instead of doing things, you know, like I guess I'll I'll like give examples, right? The the implication that he has raped Eva, the the like brutal killing of uh soldiers just like needlessly, the nuking for, for very little reason, nuking yeah. the lab. It's yeah. just like, this is, you know, this is movie villain stuff and like not it, w- what I expect of a, of a Kojima antagonist.
2: Yeah. And I, I want to hop on this cause I, I, I mentioned, I wanted to talk about this before pod, but if you compare Vulgan to Liquid Snake and Solidus Snake. Dear God, what a lame ass, just no ideology, no real sense of motivation. Just, there is nothing to Volgen. And he takes up, like, five hours of screen time at the end of the game And it is one of the most frustrating things I've ever had to do with this podcast is play through this, fighting this dude who is so lame compared to those other two characters because he just doesn't stand for anything but violence.
0: And power. But, like, (laughs) you don't even get to see him explore what it means to be someone hungry for power because the only other Russian politician that is there with him, he just like, you have one cutscene with a guy and then Vulcan immediately kills him. Right? You don't see Vulcan struggle for anything. You don't see him ever outside of a position of just like complete power except for the very, very minute moment where he fights with Ocelot during the fist fight you have with him. And, you know, fights. They squabble. Right? You never see Vulcan struggle for anything. You never see Vulcan like triumph or... or you know the part that makes me most upset about it is they easily could have worked some of that stuff in
1: because they never exp- it's never explained in the course of the story where his body gets this ability to channel electricity from. Yeah, is it explained in the codec?
0: I'm trying to remember
1: the fact that you have to. Don't, you don't have to say anything. The fact that you're like struggling this hard to remember yeah. means that even if it is, it's so low impact. Because that's a really cool, interesting yeah. mm-hmm. concept of design. Yes, and yeah. then you don't—they don't do anything with it. And like, it's with never the- exploit. The coolest thing that happens with it is when he fucking drives the Shagohod <laughs> like a horse. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love that as a design choice. But you know, if you wanted to, like, what is it? the suit that's giving him those powers, that, like, skin-tight suit he's wearing underneath his, like, uniform? Is it, you know, he had, an a- like, an accident in a laboratory because he was getting experimented on to be, like, a super soldier? Or, like, what? Because that's a fascinating detail. And I think that's one of those things where it's, like, if you had explored this better, then maybe there could have been something in his character. But he's really... It really feels like he's just supposed to be set dressing for the boss, Eva, and Ocelot to play off of rather yeah, than yeah. being his own strong character. Yeah. And I absolutely. think as a result, it, I agree with Buck, it kind of makes the whole encounter with him weaker because your draw to defeat him is not this like stru- power struggle or this you know, some kind of like moral ambiguity like it is in a lot of other games. It's just, oh no, he's Fuck, he's just fucking evil and there is no there is no gray zone with Vulcan like there is with every other antagonist that's been in a Metal Gear game and all the other antagonists that are in this game
0: Liquid and Solidus like even have sympathetic kind of motivations Liquid feels wronged by the circumstances of his birth and Solidus is trying to fight back against this this horrible all-powerful organization and vulgan is just like oh yeah he's just at the right place at the right time he's a really powerful guy but not the most powerful because the boss can fight him and he wants to take power but the regime that he wants to take power from is already crumbling it crumbles at the end of the game and it's just like yeah he's he's very disappointing as a main antagonist they do a lot during cutscenes to make him look really spooky and really sadistic especially during like the torture scene uh but he's you know it doesn't land i think uh i'd like to talk about the cobras the cobra unit because it seems like a lot of the game is about the boss and her relation to her country and her mission and the cobras are sort of that that tension right the Cobras are named after the emotion that they feel when they go into battle. Each represents a sort of facet of something that a soldier has to feel within themselves in order to like, take another human life, in order to complete a mission. There's the pain, the fear, the sorrow, the end, the joy, am I forgetting one? And the fury. I think... The Cobra unit do a lot better as a sort of compadre of boss characters than, not Foxhound, but what are they called in number two?
2: I don't remember. The, the, the guys from two.
0: Yeah, they do a, they do a better compadre of boss characters than Metal Gear Solid 2. I don't think they're as strongly characterized as Foxhound. In one, but I do think they're very, very good. I personally think they're very interesting boss fights. And I think they explore something that is really fascinating, especially as it relates to the boss. The pain is, I would say, like the weakest.
1: The uh, pain is the B one, right? Yes. Yeah, he's the first one you fight. He's the weakest characterized.
0: Yeah, he doesn't do much.
2: I do kind of want to, like, push a little bit back on, like, them being better than everyone from 2. Because, like, you got to know Fortune pretty well. And I think I kind of liked Fortune more than most of what's going on with the Cobras. I think
1: Fortune and Vamp are both, like, pretty compelling. Because, like,
2: I, I'm going to be real with you. I, I like... So like I think for me personally the cobras are interesting to look at is like they all bring a certain emotion out onto their field, right? Yeah. And I think maybe each of those emotions are like their expression
0: of maybe like PTSD or something like that. It could be. It's it's just like I I see it framed as just like not PTSD right it's not post it's just like it is very sincerely what they're feeling when they fight
2: and like I kind of like viewing it it may not just like the P but like I kind of like viewing it from that lens as like these are soldiers who fought for their country and follow orders and like this is who they are as people but like you don't really get to know or experience any of what got them there, like you do with Foxhound. And you don't really get to know them more as people like you did with people like Fortune or Vamp, except for, like,
1: the Fury gets to talk a little bit. Yeah. I think the Fury is the best depiction of PTSD in the group because, because his PTSD doesn't come from being a soldier. It comes from being an astronaut. So he actually is living and he actually is living in post-traumatic stress disorder just from he the way he acquired it was not from the way the rest of the cobras I also just
2: found in my opinion his fight and like his, just his whole aesthetic right like yeah. his uniform and how he attacked and stuff to be the best depiction of the emotion that they that like fury.
0: Mm. What what did y'all think of the boss fights mechanically from a gameplay perspective? Do you think they do you think they expressed the boss well? Do you think they were fun? So I think most of
1: the bosses are mechanically interesting on a design level.
0: You don't think it always makes it to the controller.
1: Yeah, I don't think I think that all of the bosses are like pretty well designed. I think the best design boss is the fear. I yeah. feel like the fear does the best job of depicting the motion more you know, even more than the fury, because everything about the fear everything about that fight really does a good job of depicting fear on a battlefield, right? It's you're fighting an enemy that can that you can't see that has non-human ways that he acts. He has non-human features about him. You know, he runs around and just eats raw animal carcasses. And on top of that, the arena is filled with traps. So there is the fear of running into a trap and having to like watch your step very carefully. I think that, as much as I didn't really like that boss fight because I have a propensity against boss fights where they full heal. I just find that a very annoying mechanic to be in a game. This game hit a lot of my I hate this mechanic (laughs) in boss fights thing. Oh, yeah. But I thought the actual design of that fight was fantastic as far as implementing the concept of fear into all these different aspects of the fight where it actually impacted the fight and the design of the character itself.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't have a lot to add because I cheesed the end fight because uh, I didn't want to deal with it. Viewers, if you want to, press up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, square, triangle, and if the end is on the map where you are, he will show up in red, and you can sneak up on him. (laughs) That's kind of cool. It's the Konami code, supposedly, but, like, they don't have AB. And I found, like, thinking about how the Cobra characters imitate their emotion, like, in their fight, the pain, while weakly characterized, like, the fact that you have such little wiggle room to, like, actually injure him. Oh, yeah. Awesome design. And you have to, like, swim around And, like, manage the fact that, you know, you can only breathe for so long to avoid his actual, you know, beasting attacks. pheromones and stuff. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a pretty good, interesting mechanical fight. But, and I agree with what you said about the fear. But, like, for me personally, I didn't have... I'm going to... I am not a person who thinks video games should just be fun because that limits what video games are. But I did not have
1: a lot of fun with these boss fights. <laughs> so I I want to explain why I feel like The End is the worst design boss in this game. I don't think that The End's boss fight actually makes a lot of sense for a character called The End. So... One of the, so there's a couple of things. There's a couple of interesting things about this White. The first thing is, if you save and turn off your game and wait a few days and come back, you immediately get tranked and put back in jail a few screens back. Essentially, if you save and turn off your game and come back two weeks later, the end is dead. He died of old age. Very funny. He's uh, I think he's canonically like
0: 109. Yeah, so
1: makes sense. My problem with this fight is that when I conceptualize the end on a battlefield, it is not this slow, grueling, you know, battle of wills. You know, when I think of the end on a battlefield, I think of like something much more decisive. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything necessarily bad about having a sniper fight in your game. That's literally been something that's been done in every single Metal Gear title up until this point, right? You know? So it's not that. I don't particularly like the way it was done in this game because it's way too long. It took me over two hours to finish. But I, I don't. I feel like the end is the fight where I less felt that the emotion quote unquote, because the end is not really an emotion. That's just a thing. Didn't really, I didn't have that connect the same way I did with most of the other Cobras.
0: I think I can explain why. Right. I, the, the wh- here's the other thing. He doesn't even kill you. Yeah, The end
1: doesn't kill you like the other bosses do. No. The end just puts you in jail. Which isn't an end. You're just in jail. I'm gonna. Well, go he back. does.
0: He does kill you, if you if you don't do the. If you don't. If you actually enough. like lose to him in a fight, you do yeah. die. The thing about the end is, I think what Kojima was going for is that on a battlefield, it, with snipers, right? There's always a looming sense of dread that a sniper could be just looking at you, and ready to pick you off at any minute, and you would not even you wouldn't even be able to conceive of your own death right it. it's just like a looming thing but the but so call him the dread when it, when the end shoots you you don't just immediately die he like sticks a poison dart in you and you slowly yeah you can like pull it out it's like it kind of undercuts what if the end was like this thing where it was he had awful aim because he was really old but if he hit you it was like a one-shot kill that would like communicate what Kojima is going for I better.
1: And if you so just do that and make it like a 10-minute boss fight. Yeah. Of and, two
0: hours. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point past me. Listen, I'm dropping in here for the mid-roll ad to tell you that we still don't have any sponsors. So if you're looking to throw a giant pile of money at someone to shill your scam product, we're just the guys to do it. In the meantime, or if you don't have a scam product or a giant pile of money, Please be sure to engage with all of our social media feeds to boost us up in that algorithm so that maybe one day someone with a scam product and a giant pile of money will find us. Anyway, I'll throw you back to the episode. I think the reason that people love Metal Gear Solid 3 is that a lot of, during the boss fights, a lot of the things are expressed mechanically in much more robust ways than in the first two. I think this is pretty much like an an impenetrable point. Everything is so much more complex. There's so much more room for puzzle solving, for interesting fights, for these epic battles than one or two could provide. Uh, but But sometimes it undercuts the emotion that Kojima's trying to solve. Yeah. Right? And like everything in the boss fights is so cool on a design level mm-hmm. for instance when i saw you fight the pain and you had this like aha moment it clicked where you're like i gotta get rid of these bees hold on i got these smoke grenades you can smoke out bees and it's just like it's like this beautiful moment where you get the puzzle solve right and all the bosses have this to some degree you can feed the fear poison food you can do there's the end is like way too much to get into but there's so many things you can do during the end fight, the fury. There's like water pipes in the facility that you can shoot to put out fires and you can like rip his suit. There's like so much more mechanically to each boss fight. I think the boss fights in 3 are the strongest of the series. Let me double think. Let me think about that twice just so I can Yeah, I think they're like these on average are the strongest, but you have to have like what I, I mean I've used this term with you you got to have like Kojima brain yeah you gotta like know kind of internally through Kojima logic what kind of things he would be asking out of you and and the the problem with like or not the problem the the thing about the game is that every single screen of the game is like that. there's all these like wonderful little details that are just like so lovingly put in there but you have, to, you have to have Kojima brain to see it at all. When Sam was like 75% of the way through the game, he was in uh, Grozny He like runs up into this tiny little building that is all the food stores for Grozny And I was like, Hey, you should put down some dynamite in there. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, just do it. And then he <laughs> sets off the dynamite. It blows up the food supply for all of Grozny And now, all of the soldiers are hungry and therefore their aim is worse. Oh, that's And it, awesome. he's like surviving these <laughs> grueling long alert phases because they can't hit him because their aim is like wobbly because they haven't eaten. And like you can find a hundred instances of these kinds of things throughout the game through systems that you would not even imagine. There's animals that you can only get to eat by tranking and capturing other animals alive and then using them as bait and stuff. It's just like things you would never imagine but I I just don't think it translates into the story as well in this game. I think that's why people find this the most approachable because there's the most like fun gameplay stuff.
2: And, And like that's why I was saying before we started potting, I think this is the best video game out of the three, but I just, this is the least likely game for me to ever come back to. For me personally, because a lot of that stuff isn't as for me. Mainly because I just don't really like stealth combat that much. I got you know, it. It, it's like I see all that cool stuff, and I was like, "Wow, I wish I cared." Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wit- but like, what I want is more longer codec conversations.
0: <laughs> Sadly, I, I, <laughs> before we get to codec, anything, know, anything so. you want on on gameplay on
1: the Cobras? We still on, my Cobras? Yeah, still on Cobras? Yeah, Cobras. Right? Right? I thought the Sorrows... Section was neat. Oh yeah, that was, it yeah. wasn't like mind blowing or anything, but it was just like a cool. You, you you explained like the details to me and stuff. I was like, oh, that's really I've got.
2: Cool. I, so I've got a question. I didn't really kill anyone in my playthrough. I didn't yeah. either. I was, like um, twenty, I think at that point. So like, does the number of like ghost spirits whatever increase if you kill exactly the number of people
1: yeah. you've killed throughout the playthrough? Uh-huh.
2: Oh,
0: there okay. are crazy amount of mechanics to the sorrow
1: yeah so you mason explained to me that like depending on where you've shot them or how you killed them like impacts how they behave oh that's during so cool. it or how they appear during it you know all they all like match the uniforms of the people you killed you know it's actually super in-depth for a you know something that doesn't really have a whole lot of to actually do during it. Yeah. It's, more I, like a cut, it's almost more like a cutscene than a boss fight.
0: Yeah.
2: I also... I i want to push back on the sorrow a bit. If I non-lethally kill a boss...
0: Well, they explode. And they,
2: they explode yeah. because of their thing, I didn't kill them.
0: <laughs> but you still feel the sorrow. You still feel the sorrow of it. Or at least that's like what Kojima's going for, is the death stills weighs, weighs heavily on the soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If you... Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, uh, if you imagine yourself in a battle and you incapacitated an enemy soldier, and one of your comrades later came by and like mercy killed them, I think you would still feel some weight of responsibility to that, don't you? Okay.
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm memeing. I'm not.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I, okay. Serious. Sorry. I really wish it was ex- <laughs>
1: the last thing I want to say on the cobras. I wish it was. I really wish it was explained why they explode after they get non lethaled yeah, yeah. They.
0: Um, <laughs> they each are the. Part of being a cobra is being part of a unit that is so top secret that you cannot risk being captured or incapacitated by the enemy. So they have micro bombs injected into them, which is why they explode when which they was, die.
1: Which was my theory. That was basically the theory. Yeah. So it's like you can't afford to let them fall in enemy hands. So there's like a safety trigger, but it's never like explicitly stated anywhere, to my knowledge.
0: Before we go into the codec, and I think the codec is going to be a lot of me talking. Any anything more y'all want to cover on gameplay? It's a product of it. Last thing I'm
1: going to say is it's a product of its time.
2: You know what? I do have one more thing. Yeah, I'm so glad I finally understand the crab battle joke. Oh, from <laughs> Metal <laughs> from Gear, from that
0: awesome. old flash animation.
2: Yes. Because I never knew what it was actually talking about, and it's because the crabs oh. can actually kill, kill you. <laughs> Before
0: we move on, I want to say to the listeners and to you two, I would highly encourage you to look into the design of the close quarters combat system because Kojima picked a foremost Japanese military expert – to design that and it's like completely one for one real thing that you can be trained in in the armed forces at least in the japanese armed forces I, obviously i'm not an expert in u.s armed forces but like it's this thing that only elite soldiers ever really get trained for because you first have to be really good at hand-to-hand fighting and really good at gun fighting and even then it's like a total coin flip whether or not it, it can ever come up over the life of someone's military career it's just like a this like completely one-to-one historically accurate fighting system that this japanese military expert mocapped all of these cqc moves this like this like half judo half knife fighting thing that you can actually get trained for in the japanese military if you're like a fucking elite commando just made its way into the game it's uh, the level of detail kojima put into this game the like love for these like crazy small things is absolutely mind-blowing all right, so the final cast of supporting characters would be your Kodak fellas, Major Zero, Paramedic, and Sigint. Anything y'all want to say on these guys? This is the most tutorial
1: the Kodak has ever felt in any of the games.
2: I like hearing Snake react to old sci-fi movies that I watched.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this group, I think, do I like it the best? I don't know. I think they're very, very well made, because this is the first time it's felt like something I might expect from a support team to soldiers. It's not made up of veterans and uh, these like hardened people. These or like this like very aloof. Like, oh, we brought your fiance onto this military mission because we thought that'd be a good idea. It's like no, these guys are just like a bunch of nerds that are really good at what they do and they don't really grasp the gravity of any of these situations because they're sitting in a room reading you off information or spouting off things from their nerdy expertise. Paramedic is like this film buff who is like Kojima. This, yeah, this Kojima, Kojima. self-insert. <laughs> She's like, all she wants to do is like talk about how cool Godzilla is or like these trendy new dishes, these trendy new movies and, and all this music she listens to. And she can go, like, on and on and on. I love Sigint because it's, like, so strange, especially in a Metal Gear game, to call whoever your weapons expert is, and they're just, like, happy and, <laughs> and like, bubbly and, like, happy to talk about all these, like, things. Oh, cool. Hey, you found a grenade launcher. You can, like, kill so many guys with that. Like, it's so weird, but, like, in, in such a way that is, like, intuitive and realistic. So...
2: I want to ask what are the coolest things SIGINT talks about because the most interesting thing I had SIGINT talk to me about, because I stopped calling him eventually, just like I stopped calling Major Zero because Major Zero was so boring relative to the Colonel in the other two games, IMO. Interesting. I Like, he just he would just always tell me what my objective is. He he wouldn't, like... Yeah, that's a- fair. ...actually talk about anything. The coolest thing that happened with SIGINT was... For me, was Sigint talking, if you call him after you talk to Granin, he talks about the Shagohod in the Metal Gear a little bit, and he mentions Otakon's grandfather Mm -hmm. during the thing.
0: Huey, right? Huey Emmerich?
2: Yeah, Well, so he doesn't know the name. Oh, he, he goes like, he says two things that are similar to Emmerich, but he doesn't actually gotcha. say Emmerich. And like, that was the coolest thing for Sigint for me. Other times when I called Sigint, he just didn't give me that much information. So I stopped calling. Like, I get what you mean by like, they seem like the most accurate supporting cast, but I stopped calling them because they didn't give me as compelling dialogue for me when I would call them when I was playing. So, like, I might have missed something on Sigint if he had something more interesting than the making fun of the Metal Gear thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like Sigint a lot. Two conversations of his I really think are very, like, funny and, and charming are when you finish the Sorrow Fight and you call him wearing the sorrow camo, and he's like, Where did you get that? And Big Boss is like, Oh, the sorrow gave it to me, and he's like, What
2: <laughs> the sorrow's what, dead?
0: What do you guys mean? been dead for two years, that's that is making sense. And he's like, Are you serious, Snake? Snake's like, Yeah, what, I just saw him. And the other I like is when he describes the boss's weapon, her gun, the Patriot, and he can't explain in like logical terms. Why it has infinite ammo, and yeah. he's just completely vexed. He's like, I don't know how she can keep shooting that thing. Maybe it's because the barrel is shaped like the Infinity. That's funny. And, he's, and Snake's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I like... So you don't really like Major Zero. You find him pretty boring. I think he's pretty funny because he... I think they all three of these are kojima kind of self inserts their mirrors of parts of him because major zero this thing that comes up a lot is that he just wishes really bad he were a character in a spy movie like he he always is talking like "Ooh, you found the cigar that you can breathe out poison smoke snake you're gonna use it to do some espionage his snake oh, yeah. is like see, i'm like literally surrounded by people that will shoot me
2: yeah. see he never talked to me about stuff like that i guess it's i guess i stopped calling them because you know you mentioned after the sorrow fight, yeah. There's no way I would have called. Yeah, I got you after the sorrow fight. So okay.
1: Yeah. I also, I've- it also feels like you have to call them frequently to get some of the details that you're talking. Like you have to keep calling them and calling them. And the issue I had was like, you were like, "Oh, you should be calling these people," and so I, I, you know, I, eventually I did, and they just. My biggest complaint about the Metal Gear series as someone who does not Kojima-pilled or is not, (laughs) didn't play a lot of games in this era is that so much of the information is divested to the player through the codec. And me, as a younger, you know, more newer generation gamer, hate using the codec because I don't want to feel like I have to get tutorials for everything to be able to understand the mechanics of the game. I want to be able to intuit the things that I'm supposed to do naturally through the way that the game is designed, not through information being fed to me. Which that's so like
2: an interesting thing I think about that is, is that is a result of new game design. I think a lot of the limitations of older games is they had to tell you. No, why. I agree. That's, yes. that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. And so <laughs> I now in Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2, I think I was a, 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 a able to come around to it eventually because there is a lot of characterization, a lot of narrative that happens through the codec I didn't call it frequently, you know, Mason still got mad at me a lot, <laughs> but in Metal Gear Solid 3, even when I started eventually calling on the codec, it never really stopped feeling like tutorials, and don't get me wrong, I it, it's cool to get the information about how the guns work, and how the camo works, or like why this functions that way, and I think that is definitely a way to like develop and like make your character out. But, you know, I was being honest. I was like, I, at some point, I would stop calling if you didn't tell me there was more to it because there's so much up front that is like, this is just us explaining things about the game to you as a player.
2: I also and had paramedics start repeating stuff.
0: Yeah, she does that. All which, the characters do that.
2: Yeah, which isn't a thing in the other games, typically.
0: they, At
2: least from my experience. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Sam. Sam has never heard a repeated codec line in his life and he's not starting now. All right. So, the last two big topics I want to cover are the Shagohod as a metal gear and then the ending of the game. I think we've Am I missing anything big, y'all? Do you feel like we talked about boss enough? Uh, I think we're going to cover Boss when we talk when about the end. When we talk the about the end. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll not sure the sure. end, the character. The, <laughs> not the, of the, the game. ending. The, not the end, the ending. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the Shagohod. This is the first Metal Gear we've seen of Russian design. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this brutalist, practical, like different Metal Gear. It's not like made in the image of man or some kind of weird frog creature, it is like a tank. With opposable legs and all these like crazy Cold War era experimental weapons. It's this larger than life thing. I personally think the Shagohod boring it falls a little flat as a metal gear. <laughs> it's super boring. I think the 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 fear that is struck into your heart when you see a metal gear when you, is like it's alien design as opposed to, like, normal stuff. And I get this takes place in the 70s or whatever, and, like, you know, technology's not as far along. But I think, they, the designers could have done a better job to make it look more alien, more threatening, more more strange. I think it just is, like, a big, scary well, tank.
2: I like, mean, I think Kojima was going for what is... It? Now, to be more specific, It takes place in, like, 63. Yeah. And I think Kojima was going for... This is a Russian super weapon in 1963. What super weapon were the Russians going to make in 1963? I'm not trying to defend it, but, but I. No, think... you're right. They would make a big scary
0: <laughs> tank. They would make the biggest scariest tank. I'm just saying, like, you know, this isn't in a vacuum. This is a Metal Gear game. They're named after how crazy and scary Metal Gears are, and like this as a Metal Gear is like, well, not, not kind as of, it's so here's kind the of name. plain. Like,
1: I don't, I feel like, and I feel like, I know what you're thinking, dear listener, you're thinking, but levels of your literacy, it's not a Metal Gear, it's designed by a different guy, the Metal Gear was designed by a a different scientist who is not Sokolov, I don't
0: care.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's meant it,
1: to be the metal gear of this game. It takes right? you fight it yeah.
0: in the part of the story that you fight the metal gear. The
2: it's, most the most terrifying and interesting thing about it is when Volgan does the fucking horse which thing. Which is cool. But, but <laughs> it's boring.
1: The whole the the problem is that like everything every like interaction you have with the shagahod is boring planning the c3 in the hangar is boring that whole, the whole boss section fight, of the game the boss the fight you actually fight the shagahod is boring the design of the shagahod is boring
0: <laughs> the two the the chase scene is the coolest part of fighting the shagahod but even that is like you like you find out like immediately you can like oh this is scripted and it's just gonna run its course Right. It's just like I it, it takes no damage during the chase scene. It's like if the whole thing was the chase scene and they didn't have those awful parts down the airstrip with all the motorcycle dudes and you were just fighting the Shagowhod like that and not in the big featureless circle arena, like it would have been so much cooler. Be, or at least
1: have it be the two phases, right? The there's the chase sequences, phase one and then big featureless circle where he has it as a horse in phase two. Yeah. Thing, it's, but.
0: And then like I remember I was I told you I was like, oh when I told you like very early in the game, oh, when you get to the Shagohod, put on the fire camo because it's it's invalidates like one of its attacks, and then you put it on and the attack did like actual like one damage, yeah. and I was like, oh, this kind of undercuts how big this is supposed to be when you put on the camo and it's the laser can just like not touch you. Yeah, it's just like a basically a paper cut beam, you know. The I think the Shagohod falls majorly flat as a Metal Gear as something that is the Metal Gear parallel. And also <laughs> the the aspect of the boss fight where you have to like trust Eva to drive a motorcycle correctly. All right. Like she was beating the shit out of Sam for no reason. <laughs>
1: she ran me over it like three times.
0: It's like ridiculous.
1: It's like man, I know you're a double agent now, but you're actively trying to kill me.
0: She's a huge piece on that motorcycle. All right, the ending, the ending we have escorted Eva in her wounded state in our with our fun little escort mission to to our escape vehicle. Uh, only one person stands in our way, the joy, the boss, our mentor, our mother figure. she sort of bears her soul to us uh, says my ideology is that of a Patriot. I am a countrywoman. I believe in America and I will give everything. I will give my everything, my identity even to make sure that I complete this mission because I am a soldier. I am a Patriot and you have this like absolutely beautiful boss fight. I think one of the best boss fights in all of gaming. Uh, it's like amazingly well done with like, you know beautiful theme like um great wrap up let's talk let's talk a little bit let's go into the ending oh, hold on hold quick, on
1: quick sidebar i want to i do want to praise kojima for only making the escort two screens <laughs> a weaker game dev would have made that like five or six screens long and you but Thank you, Kojima, for only making the Escort Mission for two screens long. I know it's going to be like eight times longer in the remake.
0: And so the ending, let's talk about that a little. So I was really
1: glad
2: to get to the ending and hear the boss talk when you got here. But it was primarily because you are starved for any interesting story beat at all when you get to this point in the game in my opinion. I don't know if you'll agree with me on that. I almost like, agreed. Yeah, it probably it's <laughs> The the third
1: the third <laughs> quarter of this game is like pretty dry. And so
2: like I
1: almost worry that my positivity
2: towards this is kind of just because of that. <laughs> Maybe, but but you know, I think it's really interesting to hear well, first off, the boss kind of suffers a little bit from Kojima womanisms. Like, the fact that she had her baby on the World War II battlefield and it was taken from her. Like, that is so... Why did he have to do that to her? Why? I <laughs> a
0: great... Well, you know, it's... <laughs> she is the joy, right? <laughs> and I think in Kojima's brain, like you know, the uh, defining joy of someone's life could be the birth of their child. Their child. yeah. Yeah. So I think that has something to do with it. I think it's the, her character, her characterization as someone who feels joy, who's jubilant on the battlefield is, it's like a somewhat logical extension of that as a character concept. I, I like the boss's wrap up. I think the final fight is incredible. I think the final fight does a great job at this tension that exists in the game between the boss and big boss of this. This it's not just the teacher and the student, but it's also this mother son thing. And you know, even the scar where her child was uh, taken is a is a snake scar it slithers off her body and turns into a snake in this sort of a dream sequence kind of thing that happens after the boss fight i'm not sure if that's meant to be literal or not i, I think not
2: i i, I thought, hope not i thought so like when you beat her and snake kills her and the flowers all turn red i thought that was really cool i don't know if that is literal or not
1: it, it, it's so weird it's <laughs> not i got it's sam not, it's I got Sam's you, so good you you see the flowers later and they're still white. Ah, I think it, ah, I think it's the, the
0: boss pro, or big boss processing things mm. really fast because he lets go of a red flower petal. Yeah, in the and it plane. turns white. It turns back white. So I think that's just like that scene is just his is sort of what he sees and feels, just expressed in in this sort of beautiful, dramatic way.
2: I I do think the horse whinnying is kind of funny. <laughs>
0: It's weird. The horse is I don't know. The get horse the being horse. in that scene
1: doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I
0: got I got Sam so good on the scene. I was like when he started started, I was like, Yeah, the flower turning grid is actually a reference to a real phenomenon that happens in this one region of Russia where there's this species of flower that blooms for one hour and turns He was like, Oh yeah, I was like, No, nah, I'm fucking with you. I'm making that all up. See, but
1: the, you literally talked 20 minutes ago about how Kojima hired yeah, yeah.
0: the best
1: man in Japan to come. <laughs> I to know, that's game. why it works. So, fuck <laughs> Kojima putting stupid bullshit in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say? What you want me to not believe you? Mm. This is just normal for this man. It
0: is. The, the tie-up goes, like, really beautifully. And then you, like, learn in all the post-credit scenes that... She was double crossing Volgan and the Russians the entire time. She was, you know, this this pain and this sorrow that she has felt two years previous when she had to kill her lover for being on the opposite side of the U.S.-Russia conflict was something that she was probably experiencing in long form as she slowly sent all the Cobras to their impending death against snake right she was this person who was they you know she was trusted by the cobras she was she had this personal bond and she knew that snake was or at least she was banking on the fact that snake was going to complete his mission so she had to be sending them to their death right this was something she was probably struggling with for the entire events of the game and then to know that what the United States asked of her is to be remembered to have her legacy be that of a traitor and a criminal. To have her legacy stolen from her, right, in this in the same way that she does from Eva, in the same way that she does from Snake. Steal what, like, this MacGuffin that is literally called the legacy. It's like such a condemnation and such a really like beautiful and poignant one uh, this condemnation of what so, uh, countries ask of their soldiers during times of war during these top secret espionage operations. This like um, you know, Kojima kind of walks back from this fantasy like movie setting for a moment. And he's like, well, you know, don't forget like this country full of powerful people will just routinely ask spies to do things like this,
1: especially when the country is, Incred- like the way they go about it is incredibly stupid. Ah, we're just going to give this madman two nukes that he can fire from anywhere. Yeah. Certainly he will not do something <laughs> dumb and rash with those that will cause us to have to completely Other problems pivot. for us. <laughs> we're going to have to completely pivot from what our plan was because he's going to fire off a nuke and blow up a Russian facility. Certainly that will never happen
0: little little do you know that you find out later that that was the Russians plan the entire time because they want uh Gorbachev where is it Gorbachev I'm sorry who, who are is you talking Khrushchev yeah Khrushchev excuse me Khrushchev wanted leverage over the Americans so he wanted them he wanted them to rely on him to not leak that information so he allowed Russians to be nuked in the process, yes, yeah, see. I think this game, the ending of this game could have benefited by just leaving the the patriots out of it. They introduce so many things that like retrospectively ma- the last make the actions of these characters seem really stupid. The last
1: 20 minutes of this game almost invalidates the entire rest of the story as it has happened.
0: I think that
1: Maybe not Maybe invalidate's probably not the best word, but Undercuts like, it for sure. I, I I I don't like the the way that this game is backloaded is so different from the way that Metal Gear Solid 2 is backloaded. Metal Gear Solid 2 is like, oh, there's all here's all this intrigue and we're laying breadcrumbs and we're like, you know, replacing all these things that are gonna pay off later. This game is like all that shit that happened actually didn't happen the way you think it happened to happen some other way. And it's like the way
2: it plays out it it's frustrating because what it feels like and I I don't know how intentional I, I think this is intentional but I don't want to give it too much intentional credit what it feels like is and I don't I hope this doesn't sound too hyperbolic. nothing that happened in this game matters
0: because it was, all, it was all designed by the philosophers.
2: And not just designed by the philosophers. Like, all this... It feels like this could have happened in, like, 20 other ways. Because none of the main characters, what they did, matters with what happens in the future of the game. Because of the fact the Patriots exist.
1: I mean, that's... Part of the point. I think that's part of the point, right? Yeah.
2: I I, I think, like I said, I think it's intentional, but like it's kind of, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think this game could have benefited by just like the everything that like Eva and Ocelot do towards the end, just being like tweaked a little. Not because it would have been so much better if this was just the origin story of the Patriots and not this thing that you learn at the end is like, oh, well, the pay or you know, the group that's going to become the Patriots. The Patriots, like, actually. Uh, we're behind all of this too, just like Metal Gear Solid Two. Well, it's, it's like, the origin story that. of the
2: Patriots, and to a different extent, Big Boss. Right? Yeah. It, it, and
0: you I know. think they should have just kept it without those last two revelations, or maybe keep the Eva one and like don't do the or change what Ocelot was doing. I don't know. I think the they intru- it, the, it's totally they put like a little injection of Metal Gear Solid Two at the end, and it clashes. It just it. It, it doesn't fit super well to me.
1: This is so. Uh, let's let's
0: say, let's each give our
1: overall Meta Gear Solid trilogy rankings. I'm going 2 3 1.
0: Uh, I'm going 2 1 3. I am going 2 3 1, but 3 and 1 are very close <laughs> in my mind. 3
1: only gets an edge out because of the gameplay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2 I think is like. Obviously, I mean if you've been listening since episode 1, you know it's my favorite game of all time. But yeah, there this just like there's like some things about 3 that make it fall a little flat of the story of 2 and it's like just enough to where it's this is always this like nagging thing to me. Overall, I think it's a it's obviously a masterpiece of a game. It's just that when held up to other games, it's like amazing. When held up to Kojima's other work, it's like you could cojim a little harder. Yeah.
2: I and I want to be clear with my ranking. My ranking is a very personal ranking because I like PS1 crappy games, but also
0: <laughs> the, the buck buff.
2: But also, I just like th- I think Three Mechanically is a very good game. Like I just want to emphasize that I think Three Mechanically is a very good game. But one story is a lot. I I like story. I like one story a lot more
0: if any of our listeners have any comments or disagreements about our rankings I want you to send them to me personally at blueberry one three three seven on Twitter I'll give you my real Twitter handle come at me I have been fighting with you all of you MGS three fanboys for decades of my life I am well prepared more than prepared to listen to your stupid arguments as to why three is better (laughs) you're wrong two is the best (laughs) So this has been level zero literacy. I hope you all have enjoyed as much as we have. This trilogy is very near and dear to my heart and very formative to me. And I'm so overjoyed that we had the opportunity to talk about it. Like we did. You can get metal gear solid, or I guess we're, you know, as last week, next week we will be playing Norco. Super, super cool game. Sam, tell us a little bit about it. Cause I, I have intentionally, this
1: is, so this is a game that I finished in one sitting. It's about five to six hours long, depending on how you want to do it. It is a goth, gothic punk look at Louisiana, and is sort of like has it has themes of like religion and like just dis- desperate, uh, disparate rural life. Lots of like really interesting things and also some very heavy horror motifs as well so
0: if you're looking to play along with us you can get norco on steam Steam. is it available on any other platforms i
1: think it's only i think right now it's only pc
0: uh at any rate check it out we will be back next time thank you so much for listening in